Hi, listeners. You can now listen to this community podcast production ad-free on Apple Podcasts and access the podcast one week early and get exclusive bonus content. Just hit the subscribe button now on Apple Podcasts. Or if you want access to all of the above, plus video versions of the podcast, head to patreon.com forward slash stop the killing. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. I'm Sarah Ferris, true crime podcaster. And I'm Catherine Schweit, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. And you're listening to Stop the Killing. Oh, you know what we should do right now is... I wanted to do a compilation episode for the new people that come to listen. So let me just ask you this question. If we look back on our catalogue of four seasons, what are some of the episodes that stick out to you? I know which ones come to my mind straight away. So what ones come to yours? You know, for me, I was very engaged in the Sandy Hook story. And that was our very first one. And others had said to us, oh, don't do that as your first podcast, because that might turn people off because that was such a sad occasion. And, you know, remember, we had actually gone and asked people, people who do podcasting, and they said, oh, don't do that. And I'm so glad that we did do that first, because I had so much information about it, and I had so much that I wanted to say about it. And so that really stuck with me, even though I have to say I was I was so nervous that I was writing down answers that I might give and writing down numbers I wanted to say. I didn't want to make any mistakes and I wanted to share the best information that I could. My goal anytime that I do a podcast is to tell the audience something that they can't read someplace else. Like I'm giving them the inside scoop. Yeah. I'm giving them the police story that they might not get otherwise. So I knew I could do that in Sandy Hook in a way that, you know, so few others would do. It was great that you stuck to that because not only was it the start to our podcast as in our first episode, it was the start to your journey of understanding mass shooting, wasn't it? That was the way that you ended up in the role that you were, wasn't it? I think that what it did is the podcast has really given me the opportunity to see how the public sees things because I had been in the FBI running their program for five years and that was all on the government side. And really the podcast has given me totally the voice of the public and what do they need and what do they fear and 
how can I help them to understand the craziness that is these shootings? When you ask me what episodes have been impactful, like Molly Hutchins comes to mind, Saving Sycamore, the book that she wrote after she confronted a middle school student who came to her with a gun to her office and how she dealt with that. You know, just a riveting podcast that is so personal while she's trying to explain what she did when there was a boy in front of her with a gun. That was a great episode. Yeah. Uh, episodes. Yeah, that's true. It was part one and part two, wasn't it? That, that was probably, I would say, one of my top episodes as well. And the weird thing about that one was it was so emotional but nobody actually died in that, which I, when I look back, like of all of our episodes, the tragedy just folded in and folded in. But I think it was so emotional because we saw this arc of a story and I don't want to spoil the end of it, but the ending is just so powerful. It's mm-hmm. that moment of like humanity where you think, wow, you know, being kind matters and being kind can have such an impact on not just her, not just on the potential shooter, but on her entire community and the potential shooter's family. Yeah, that one will stay with me for life, for sure. We've built a climate where mental health is very important. We believe that the safety of our students is number one. Them getting mental health attention or counseling if they need it is number two. And education is number three. Because we believe if you don't take care of the first two, you can't teach anyone anything. The hardest part for me is that this is woven into my fabric. It never leaves me. There is never a day that I don't think about it. But that is also a precious thing because I'm reminded every day that I'm living on borrowed time. You know, I very much in doing this podcast became a advocate of of kindness matters. And I, I say it all the time. Kindness is free because I saw so many instances in the shootings that we've covered where sometimes kindness was the difference. And in some cases, the kindness was forgiveness. Somebody making a decision to forgive, even to forgive a killer. You know, one of the things that reminds me of that is our interview with Frank DeAngelis, who was the principal at Columbine High School. Well, he's been on the podcast twice, which has been split into more than one episode, I think, over time. I think the first time I wanted him to talk about his experience at Columbine, and I think the second time we had him talk about how he deals with others in recovery and how supportive he is. He set up the, this Principles Recovery Network so that they're there to help other people who are in that spot. But the reason that I would say Frank's podcast is so important for me is that you can hear in his voice the depth of his knowledge and experience. He is like that, you know, crusty sea captain who has seen it all, only he's done it in schools. And yet he still has the most uplifting attitude. He is so selfless. And, you know, he's just a model of somebody who took a horrible tragedy. I mean, the shooters at Columbine High School shot at Frank from down the hall. Frank told me that when we were standing in that very hallway. He said he was standing right there. He shot towards me right here. I ran to this spot. And you hear that kind of 
agony and then you still hear his positive attitude that's mm-hmm. just i mean that's just amazing sometimes you have to stand up for what is right even though you're standing alone and i went to visit all the families that weekend and it was a right thing to do and it was tough you don't know what to say i can't go up and say gosh i know what you're feeling and they're thinking do you really did you have to identify your son or daughter but i went there and we held each other and we cried and when some people found out i got reprimanded and they said if you continue this behavior you're going to be on your own well i'm full blooded italian so i was pretty stubborn and i went back in about 3 weeks only this time I brought bouquets of flowers because it was Mother's Day. And I went to visit all those moms and Mrs. Sanders. And it was the right thing to do because it's going to be 23 years this April. I still have relationships with those families. Do you know one of the episodes that sticks with me was it the FBI negotiator who actually mm-hmm started off as 20s as being a hostage in what started out as a a school shooting situation. That was just really a fascinating kind of evolution of how he then ended up as an FBI negotiator. And that had been something he'd wanted to do before he even found himself in that situation. Yeah, that was a good episode. That was a really good episode. Oh my gosh, you're right. We've done so many. I've forgotten how that was. The key character in that whole episode that stuck out to me was his mother. So his mother, who, you know, he's, I think he would be in his 60s now. So his mother is, what, 80s, probably right minimum now. And you think of the era that she grew up in. And this yeah. woman was confronted with a gun woman in this episode. And her negotiation skills were just like naughty corner <laughs> mum. She was so onto it that she, in another life, would have been the most incredible FBI negotiator, I think. Yes, Wouldn't she? that's right. She, he yeah. learned his craft at home first. I think he did. I think he did. I think that's great. any mother who listens to that episode will recognize that whole negotiating with, you know, in most cases, our tiny terrorists in our houses. Yeah, that's true. He first goes to this day school and tries to ignite this cyanide gas device. There was some indication that she had the children that she was babysitting in the car. Then she drives to the home of the children she's sitting. She visits with them for a little bit. They're leaving town. They exchange gifts. She goes out to the car. She gets a couple gallons of gas. She douses the basement threshold and torches it, trapping the children and the mother in the basement. The kids are able to escape through a garden window. The fire department is called. They respond. And there is a kind of a loose description of like who may have done this. But she is already at the Hubbard Woods School, having traveled there with three firearms, brings two in from a bathroom where she has an encounter with one second grade student and shoots that student as she exits the bathroom. And then she goes into a second grade classroom where she opens fire basically at point blank range on second graders. And then she escapes the building, crashes her car on a dead end street, bails out with two firearms, and then heads through a wooded path. And that's really where you know my involvement sort of picks up. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Have you ever felt that pang of disappointment when you couldn't add a ticket to your collection because it was digital? Or maybe you just lost it? Well, Stubforge.com is here to change that. Imagine this, tickets that not only look but feel like the real deal. Because each ticket from Stubforge is printed on the same quality stock that Ticketmaster uses and printed with genuine ticket printers. It's like holding a piece of the concert, the game or the show right in your hands. But Stubforge isn't just about replacing tickets. With the easy-to-use interactive designer, you can create custom tickets for anything from concerts to sports games, pregnancy announcements or parties. Why not make your invitations stand out with tickets that are as unique as your event? And if you're trying to complete a back catalogue of missing tickets, Stubforge offers bulk discounts to make it both easy and affordable. With Stubforge, you can once more give your loved ones physical tickets and see their eyes light up instantly at the best gift you can give. So whether you're looking to reignite your ticket collection, craft the perfect gift, or send the coolest invites, head over to stubforge.com. Start creating today and see how Stubforge makes every ticket a story worth saving. Visit stubforge.com and start making tickets today. I wanted to mention a bonus episode, if I may. You know, we have bonus episodes. They are, um, well, Sarah can explain the math of it, but they're behind a paywall. They are. A, a very inexpensive paywall, but nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. when we say an inexpensive paywall, our hourly rate for creating this content is probably, what, minus 0.0000001p per episode. Yeah. So... To get access to bonus episodes, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you want to know? I mean, just because I'm going to talk about a bonus episode. Yeah. So oh. if you wanted to access our back catalog of bonus episodes, you can go to Apple, if you're an Apple podcast listener, and go to the show. You'll see Stop the Killing. And then there's a little button that says subscribe. And it's simple, two clicks, and you will be able to access all of that content ad-free. Plus, you get early access to our normal Thursday feed a week early and a bonus episode every week. The other way to do it is if you want to see our mugs, if you're looking at this right now on video and you think, oh, I'd love to see that in video form. Let's look how tired they both look. Yes. (laughs) Uh, um, That's so true. Uh, Then you can go to patreon.com forward slash stop the killing and you will find so much content there. Plus, all of our episodes are in video form as well. So that's a little bit of how you can help support the podcast by finding. Yeah, that's one thing. I mean, you can do a small contribution, but it's a big help to us because, you know, we don't make money on this. (laughs) But we do it because we think it's really important. I mean, this is mission for me. I think it's very important to do. And also, Um, can I just say before we jump into that, we have got some amazing Patreons that sponsor us at a amazing commitment level for them. And we all know that there's a pinch in the world, but I don't think I've given a shout out recently. So I will do that on the main episode soon. Oh, yeah, good. Well, in the meantime, though, 
all of this discussion about bonus episodes, I just wanted to bring up a bonus episode that we did kind of recently when I was in California earlier in the year. There were these two shootings kind of back to back in two cities, Alhambra and Half Moon Bay. They're unrelated to each other. One shooting was actually a workplace violence. But here's why this particular episode meant something to me. It it helped remind me that though we hear about school shootings or we hear about some spectacular shooting at a concert hall or something, more of these types of shootings happen in places of business. And one is in a essentially kind of a labor camp where people who do not make a lot of money uh, live and pick the food that we eat every day in the United States. These are workplaces and they have their own conflicts just like people do in some office building in some downtown city. And this shooting occurred and impacted that community, you know, shootings that occur in front of kids and people's lives are changed forever. You know, in a couple of days, we have nearly 30 people shot, nearly 20 killed in two communities not too far away from each other. So, so sad. And and also just the idea of having these older shooters. It's interesting how we're seeing, and maybe that's the gun availability, but we're seeing more older shooters. We're seeing more younger shooters. Maybe it's the volume of guns that we have in the States. But when people ask me, who, who are we looking for? My answer is you're looking for everybody. You're looking for everybody. There is no demographic We do have male shooters, primarily male shooters, but that's the only demographic. So you look at everybody around you and say, is this person troubled? Do they have access to guns? That's the math. The other shooting that occurred in Alhambra was against people in their 60s and 70s and older uh, who were at an Asian American dance studio people who had lived here for decades or their entire lives and somebody who was part of their community came into that dance studio and shot and killed a number of people and then tried to do the same thing at another dance facility when there's only a couple. And it, it is the center of the social life of those communities. And so it changed the ability of those individuals in that community to go to where they socialize every week. And also, I think you have to listen to the bonus episode, but I said there were two dance studios. There was only a shooting at one. That's because of some incredibly astonishing and brave action that occurred at the second one. And I think to me, that was a story worth telling, a story worth listening to. Well, uh, spoiler alert, they're not bonus episodes. (laughs) I thought that was. No. Um, this, oh, I feel this, bad. This is a peek behind the scenes of how Catherine and I work. Basically, she'll do the recording and then have no idea when it's going to be released. But ironically, that very episode as we go to record, which is today must be the 19th of July, because I'm looking at our schedule tomorrow, the 20th of July, that episode Monterey Bay Star Ballroom Shooting will be live on the normal Thursday feed, followed the following Thursday, which is the 27th of July, the Half Moon Bay, and it's called Lunar Lunacy, that episode. So you can go check them out. As you go to listen to this, they'll be live already. Oh, no, I feel bad. Okay, I, I feel, feel bad. I think um, we talked about doing it as a bonus episode at one. I think when I was in California, 
and it was happening. Yes. You were texting me saying, let's do a bonus episode on this. Yeah. As when you were telling me, little, giving me tidbits over the WhatsApp, blah, 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 I'm like, okay, that sounds great, 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 great. But when you gave me the full details of those cases, they were just so unusual that we had to do them as full episodes. I thought, oh, I'm, I'm happy for our listeners because I thought they were pretty fascinating. Well, Arthur was the Australian shooting that changed the gun laws there. That was interesting for that reason in particular. And then the two New Zealand cases that we did, Aramoana in particular, because you know I lived just half an hour away from it. So Aramoana was part of the fabric of my upbringing. And what I hadn't realized at the time is how long that was a town under siege for over 24 hours. So that was an interesting one. And I, I guess you didn't know about that story at all, did you? When I Aramoana? Yeah. I didn't. And I think that's something that else is that for our listeners in the United States, we're very myopic. I don't think I'm tipping my hand there by saying that. Um, I very much focused on U.S. situations, even though I'm aware of plenty of others. Um, For instance, the Bataclan uh, assault, um, Charlie Hebdo, uh, some of those things come to mind. But I didn't know about Air Moana. And I think that what you bring to the table Imagine, you know, I'm what we're used to. <laughs> I've been waiting to find out what I bring to the table for four seasons. Tell me. <laughs> no, come on. Come on. No, <laughs> you bring words like antipodium. Um, <laughs> when I think about how we hear about it and we all know somebody who might have had a shooting, it isn't that way in Australia. It isn't that way in New Zealand. So the impact to that community as a whole. I think you voiced that better than I ever could. Mm, the shock, yeah, of of hearing it. It reminds me of Dunblane, the episode we did with Scotland, where you know it doesn't happen often in these communities, but they're so outraged and they don't feel like their hands are tied, like I think a lot of Americans do, to make change once these happen. We, it was just like the outrage. We're going to make change. So he was known as a person who had an organized scouting overnights, scouting summer camps, things like that. It sends a chill down your spine, doesn't it? Yeah, the part that should send the chill down the spine is that the complaints that were coming in, for example, him insisting that the boys in his scouting troop wear these little short shorts that he issued to them. And then he would take pictures of them, of the boys, and he would have them move in various gymnastics poses. Red flag, red flag. Red flag. Exactly. Do you know, when you're just talking about statistics and numbers, to put it in perspective, the size of England, 60 million. Give or take 60 million, we don't know. Um, Give or take a million. (laughs) Give or take. Maybe 10 million for all I know. You're not selling it. (laughs) My point is... The same geographic, you know, landmass space footprint is uh, got four million in it, and that's New Zealand. Wow! Yeah, yes, we can swing a sheep or two in there. It is understandable that if you have four million people, you, it's probably easier in some ways to pass laws and make changes, right? Yeah, than it is in. We have so many separate jurisdictions in your system of government. It flows from the top down. And we have, you know, 50 states and each have their own laws. And but then, we, you know, when you think about that, Australia also has a federal system, doesn't it? And a state system. 
Mm-hmm. And they changed things after Port Arthur. It's not impossible. It's not impossible is all I'm saying. Well, let's round it off with our absolute must-listen episodes. Oh, you know, the episodes that I like to do for our listeners most are the ones that have all the facts that everybody thinks they know, but nobody knows about. I'll tell you what my favorite one is, is Columbine. Because there's such a misconceptions about the Columbine shooting. And so Columbine is one because I love the opportunity to share the real information about it. And then also, I would say, sadly, in the same neighborhood, the Aurora Theater shooting, because there were so many heroes. Everybody in the Aurora Theater shooting episode is a hero. We've done Aurora Theater shooting twice the first time we did it as a standalone and the second one we did just recently in season four with the chief dan oates dan oates and what an incredible episode that was i mean he's a great person he's a great person i love both of those episodes because again most people know none of the facts about the bombs that were set to go off in both episodes, both Columbine and Aurora Theater, there were bombs involved. That was the priority. Do you know, both of those episodes, when you talk about the one with Dan Oates from Aurora and Frank DeAngelis, there's certain moments in both of those episodes where you go, wow, I have never heard this information before. One of the ones that stuck with me from Dan was when he was describing the thing that stuck with him afterwards was the ringing cell phones in the theater and the shoes. Oh, yes. You're giving me chills. You're giving me chills. Well, that's me relaying it. If you listen to that episode, it is hard not to get chills. You know, everyone who ran from the theater dropped their cell phone. One of the things my cops tell me, you know, they had to guard dead bodies in the theater and two images that stick with me was the incessant ringing of cell phones, families trying to get to people that they couldn't reach. And then footwear. People literally, you know, it was a hot summer day. People literally, their sandals off. You know, I relaxed to watch the movie. And there was footwear all over the place in the theater. Well, the other one I was going to say that Frank shared with us. And I'd never heard him say this before anywhere that I've ever heard Frank speak was when he described the week of the shooting that there had been the school prom and him just kind of grappling with that in his mind when he was talking to us about how those killers could be high-fiving and Mr. D, Mr. D to everyone in this prom, knowing that they'd already planned to kill these people. During the week of April 20th, you just go back to everything that transpired. But to make your point, April 17th was our junior senior prom. And I remember the killer high fiving me. He's with his girlfriend dancing, high fiving me. We go to after prom, the other shooters there high fiving me, knowing in their mind that if their plan would have been carried out and those bombs would have exploded, they would have killed a large percentage of their friends that were there. And I look at it, these were my kids. I mean, two days they're hugging me, Mr. D, Mr. D, knowing in their mind that they were going to try to kill us all. 
I think those are episodes for me that just really strike mm-hmm. um, more than any. I think in part, too, because I, I've been at those scenes and mm-hmm. talked to those so many people involved in those. Yeah. Just credible information. So your two go-to ones are Columbine Theater, yeah? I think so, listen. for sure. Mm-hmm. Must listen. And I think, too, something we haven't talked about, but all of these shootings, we try to talk about, could yeah. you stop it? If you saw somebody doing these things, how would you stop them from doing it? You know, I'm, I'm here for that. What podcast episodes really stuck with you and why? Well, I think, obviously, Molly Hudgens is one of my all-time favorite ones, as I said. But a couple of other ones that come to mind straight away are the ones that we've done with Brandon Hall, who is one, and we did an incredible bonus episode on the Nashville Covenant school shooting because he was actually on duty that day and was messaging me at the time. So that was, again, like you say, that inside baseball and, and getting the information straight from somebody who was on the floor. Talking of Nashville, that's what's led us to this little call today. I'll give it to you from the dispatcher's perspective because it's mm. going to be a little bit different than what the public has probably known, you know, because the public, they heard about it after it all happened. News didn't really get, you know, any type of anything from it, probably until either the shooter was already down. But as far as dispatch goes, I was on a police radio at the time. But the other one that I really surprised me that I was so invested in it was the one that we did with Professor Mark Zimmerman. Oh, yes, Mark, my friend was... Mark. He's a professor at the University of Michigan. Yeah. He's one of the, I believe, director is the right word, of the National Center for School Safety. But he has spent his entire career, as he pointed out to us, working not on ways to stop people from doing bad things, but working on ways to build up people to do good things. Yes. And the term that he used was uh, working upstream, which really, really stuck with me. That sort of that presenting problem at the end, that's like putting a plaster over something, trying to fix it. That idea that you have to go upstream to where the underlying problem is, where that problem begins. There isn't any one solution. I often connect this to cars. You know, you guys aren't old enough to know or remember days when um, Bless you. maybe you are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting to see where this belts. goes, but yeah. <laughs> where we didn't have seatbelts. A car crash is the number one cause of death in America. And so we invested literally billions of dollars over a 60-year period. And I remember, you probably remember when we first got seatbelts, Oh, yes. Then, people objected. When they got mandated, when they got mandated, people objected. But it's become part of our culture. We've actually changed the culture and we reduced the number right. of deaths by uh, car crashes by 80, 90 percent. In fact, roads are safer, tires are better, cars have airbags, seatbelts are better. We have graduated licensure. Well, we haven't done anything like this for firearms, but what we did with cars is. When we had seatbelts, we've transformed society to where it's just commonplace. Everybody puts one on. So the point is, we have to do the same thing around firearms, because in 2017 in the United States, the number of deaths by firearms surpassed those by car crashes in 2017, and it has stayed separated ever since. 
we don't have 23 data yet, but the lines were going in completely different directions. The car crash line was staying flat. And we had policies around and media campaigns about don't drink and drive, don't let your friends drink and drive. We understood what was going on. We need to do that kind of research so we can translate that into policies and programs. Because, you know, at least in the Institute, we're not about gun control. We're not about taking away people's guns. We're not about, uh, you know, going after the Second Amendment or anything about it. We're about gun safety. There's close to 400 million guns in private hands in the United States. And that doesn't include police guns or military guns. There's over 100 million homes with a firearm in it. And there are 40,000 deaths. 40, getting closer to 50,000 deaths. Estimates for injuries, which we don't have good data on, unfortunately, is 60 to 100,000 people are injured by firearms. So when you start doing that math, it's actually relatively small. And so I don't want to vilify gun owners. That's not the point. We could be safer, just like we could drive cars, and we've succeeded with all of these solutions while people are driving faster, and there's more people driving, and there's more cars on the road. And we need to do the same thing here. I just thought it was a really interesting episode, and there's some takeaways in there for everybody. Oh, I remember that now. Yes, I love that episode because he talked so much about what you could do in your neighborhood yeah. and you could do it in your community mm-hmm. that can impact, of course, not just gun violence, but all kinds of bad things. Yes. Well, that episode's just come out last week as we've gone to record, so it's on the feed now. Well, this has been actually quite a, an interesting trip down memory lane. We've been <laughs> filled in quite a lot, haven't we, over four seasons? I can't believe that. When you asked me to do these podcasts years ago, it seems like I was thinking, well, I'll try it, you know, and here we are. Here we are in season four talking about all the things we can't fit in and we're going to have to put in season five. I know. So here's my advice to everybody listening to this. Please find someone that you know to subscribe to the podcast because we have to be able to survive. So we can't survive and keep just doing this because we love doing it. If you like the podcast, can you subscribe to it somewhere, please? And can you please point it out to some other people and have them subscribe to it, too? Yeah. Well, on that point as well, I think, you know, even if you can't personally become a Patreon, if your company wants to support the podcast, you can definitely do that on Patreon as well. And contact us. We're always looking for sponsors. But I guess with that, will you stick around for another season or two? I will. I will stick around for another season or two. (laughs) We'll just keep plugging away at it. Well, you know, we haven't solved the problem. I wrote a book, Stop the Killing, How to End the Mass Shooting Crisis, Mm -hmm. and we haven't quite done that yet. So, yeah. But you do know, note for the record, because we do talk about data on these podcasts First year that we have had a decline in 25 years in the FBI's counting of active shooter situations. First year we've had a decline. This is past year, so. Well, I'm crossing my fingers. Stay tuned. We're going to dive into why that is in another Fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed over and over again. Fingers crossed. Mm -hmm. 
Thanks for listening. And if you want to know more, Catherine's book, Stop the Killing, is out now. For more details, go to katherineschweit.com. Please consider also supporting our independently made podcast. It's simple to do. Go to patreon.com forward slash stop the killing. And for as little as the price of a latte a month, you can be part of the solution to stop the killing. Patreon rewards range from official do-gooder status to ad-free episodes, autographed books, and opportunities to connect with us directly for your business, school, church, or even just a book club chat. But just knowing that you are part of a movement that has the power to make your community safer, well, that's got to taste better than a skinny cappuccino any day. So please head to patreon.com forward slash stop the killing now and polish off your do-gooder halo and make sure to include your name so we can give you a shout out. This podcast is a community podcast production. That's con with an N. If you want more content, then head over to Community Podcast at Instagram, where you'll find trailers on more binge-worthy true crime, like the award-winning podcast Conning the Con. And check out our show notes for all the links mentioned. Finally, if you want one takeaway action that you can do right now that can help make our community safer, Please share, rate and review this podcast wherever you listen. Everybody needs to know that they hold the keys to see something and say something. Together, we can stop the killing. It's one of those things you hope never happens, but you better train for it. Because it will happen. And it will happen in places you wouldn't expect. Be ready for it. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Crime Capsule. History so interesting, it's criminal.